Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm, as always, your host, Amanda G. Super happy to be here. Happy Thanksgiving, or what I call happy four-day weekend off of work. Cannot wait to eat, sleep, repeat. That's all I plan to do, you know? I'm going to eat till I'm tired. I'm going to sleep till I'm not tired. Then I'm going to eat some more. I might drink in there. I'll probably watch some football. That's what I do. But while I watch football, I can also eat and maybe sleep, depending on how the game is. I'm really excited to be here with y'all. This episode was recorded in Los Angeles. Uh, thank you to my brother, Ryan Golub, for allowing us to use his music studio to record this. I met up with Tina Cacadellis, who writes young adult fiction. And on the plane ride over, I read her book. It's called Burn After Reading. And it's just all about Carly Allen, just regular high school student trying to make it through life. We all get it. Doesn't know where she wants to go to college, what she wants to do, feeling all the feels, and happens to be a lesbian. Not the main part of the book, which is something, you know, we talk about when we get to the interview, but that was just something that's really cool to me, that there is starting to be all of this art out there that is about someone who's a lesbian, but not that's not the main part of it. She's treated like everybody else. It's not her coming out story. I was really excited to meet Tina, hang out with her, really pick her brain about so many things because we actually hadn't met before this interview, we just communicated through email a little bit, a little social media contact. And then when we hung out, like we like the same shit, like we have a lot in common. That's why I, you know, I related to Carly Allen so much in the book, in the story, who she was. I related to Tina a lot and I'm really excited to bring this interview to you. So let's please welcome Tina Cacadellis, y'all. How's it going? It's good. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. You're an author, specifically young adult queer fiction. I don't know what your genre is. No, that's it. That's um, what I would say. I read her book, uh, Burn After Reading. I loved it. And I'm 35, and I was like, I wish something like this was around when I was 16. But I also, like, the main character, like, fucking loves Taylor Swift and One Direction. And I also, at 35, love Taylor Swift in One Direction. So I was like, okay, I can still relate to a lot of this. Is that your genre that you write in? Yeah, I kind of, I like to say that I was raised on, like, 90s teen comedies. Whenever I write, I don't really have a world outside of that. So that kind of target toward LGBT kids is my genre, I'd say. And what got you, like, what, when did you decide to write, I'm going to write a book or multiple, you have multiple books with the same character, yes. Carly Allen? Yes. Is this the, Burn After Reading, is that the first one? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Uh, it's the first one, and then the second one is I Didn't Start the Fire, which is out, and then the third one will be out next April. So what, what got you deciding, like, I'm going to write young adult queer fiction? Boredom in college. <laughs> <laughs> 
I decided to major in hospitality management. I don't know why. I don't like that. <laughs> Sounds secure as fuck, though. I mean, yeah, but am I doing that? No. <laughs> uh, what um, is it? It's like I thought that I wanted to work at Disney World for a really long time, and I worked there for three years in college, and then I kind of just stuck around and majored in that, but I didn't actually know what that meant in any way and I don't like being nice to people in a customer service way. <laughs> <laughs> He's nice. Well, what was Disney World like? Cause I had a college uh, friend that worked there and he fucking hated it. It was wild. I will say it was wild. I did food and beverage and I had to wear a colonial dress with a bonnet. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not really me, but it was fun. It, I think it was really good for me in college just because you get into the parks for free. So, like, you're poor and a college student, but you have Disney World in your backyard. So, like, that was dope. But the rest of it, of having to work till 5 in the morning and, like, crazy hours all the time, I wasn't super crazy about it. Yeah, I worked at this knockoff of Disney. You might have heard of it called Six Flags Magic Mountain. Yes. <laughs> that was uh, my very first job, and I wore a ruffled white T-shirt, and we had green uh, shorts or pants, but the shorts had to be past your knees. Yep. And I'm 5'2", so that's basically pants. Um, and they were also pleated <laughs> just oh, to yeah. ensure the maximum embarrassment. So I didn't even tell people like, they're like, oh, you work at Six Flags. Where do you work? And I was like, don't worry about it. You'll never see me. <laughs> You'll literally never see me. What's your worst like customer service story? I got called homophobic ones, which is my favorite thing. You got, okay. <laughs> I, after I worked food and beverage, I worked at the Lion King show. And like one of the main rules of the Lion King show was that you couldn't have anybody standing on the bleachers because it was like stadium seating. And if a kid stood on the bleachers, then it blocked everybody behind them. So that was just like the rule. And they could fall and it was, nobody wants that. And lawsuits. Exactly. So I went up to this lesbian couple and they had their kids standing on the bleachers and I was, hey, excuse me, like they need to be seated. They can be in your lap, but they just can't be standing. And this woman was like, that's homophobic. You're not telling any other kid to sit down. And I looked around and I was like, nobody else is standing. Like, and I also just wanted to be like, really? Me? In these pleated shorts, which I was wearing. Okay, I was like, maybe the colonial dress. No, no, that oh. different outfit, different outfit. But yeah, that's my favorite dumb story. Yeah. People, people are delightful. They're Especially nice. when you get them in big groups and you give them a lot of sugar. Yeah. And yeah. freedom. <laughs> so where are you from, anyway? Uh, I'm from Baltimore. Okay, that's where the books take place. Exactly, yeah, not a lot of imagination there. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's fine, you gotta write what you know. Exactly. I'm gonna ask you a million questions about this character because, like I said, I related to a lot of the things in in writing what you know, whether it's, you know, true or not. Because what I found, what I found so cool, and I've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast, and I'm not gonna spoil anything for folks that haven't read the, the books yet, but what I found so cool and what I've always talked about is and so many people talk about is we don't have a lot of gay icons like when we grew up in in media and represented. Mm -hmm. And so to have that for kids is so awesome. But also in her life, everyone was cool with her being gay. That was not, that was not what the book was about. The book wasn't about Carly Allen being like, oh shit, I'm gay. What do I do? How do I tell my mom? Will my friend love me? Will, you know, how do I, it wasn't about that. Like we're already She's already gay. She's already out to everybody. Nobody gives a shit. She's popular at school. She's, there's no harassment. There's no homophobia that I picked up on, at least, like, cause that's not what it's about. Right. That, when I say I wrote these out of boredom, it was genuinely boredom, and I was just bored in class, and I would just write. And then when I finally decided, I was like, oh, these all kind of sound the same voice, the same character, and if I put a little effort into it, I could make a story. But one of the few things that I knew 
in the very beginning was that it was not a coming out story because it's like you said like you you can, there's only so many of those that you can read and they're so important i think when you're still figuring it out because the first time for a lot of people that you're hearing these thoughts that you've always had voiced back to you from a stranger and like that is incredible and i think that we do need coming out stories but once you hit this point of acceptance of this is who i am i know who i am now i want to see myself just in kind of the genre of things that i like i just want to see myself in a romantic comedy or like piloting a spaceship that i think is what's missing for as far as lgbt representation we get the story of them struggling coming out dealing with homophobia at some point in time and then that's it the character ends and is stagnant from then on and they don't have a life after that that doesn't really say a lot of nice things for kids yeah because i think it, and it touches on her coming out story and i think i think a coming out story is an important part of who we are but it's not everything about mm. who we are because we'll probably also talk about your coming out story later so i'm not going to be like a hypocrite and be like oh it's not that no one cares about it it's just like that's not the whole essence of me as as a human being like that's not there's there's more to me than that and there's things about me that aren't gay but i'm gay mm-hmm. you know so i just i think that's really cool and i think they're you know like i said 20 years ago i would have loved some some more shit like that also a very important question carly's in a cover band what was the cover band's name oh god no one has ever asked me that question before I, so i don't have an answer to that however i do have a dream cover band that i've always wanted to be a part of oh by the way it's a one direction cover band. it is a one Direction. that's why i'm like what is this name because it's not in the book not spoiling anything in the book I've always wanted to do a all-queer women boy band cover band called The Queer Kids on the Block, but I don't know what they would be named in the book. That's, I should know. I should really know. <laughs> yeah, well, when you do your second edition. <laughs> do you play any instruments? I stumbled through percussion, because when you had to like pick one in middle school, my mom was like, your sister already picked percussion, you pick percussion. <laughs> Save us money. <laughs> exactly. So I stumbled through that, and then... Um, when I got to high school, my mom was like, your sister's in the marching band, you join the marching band. And I was like, oh, okay. And I played the cymbals for a year in the marching band, and then I was like, I don't like being in the drumline. So my natural inclination was to pick up the sousaphone, which is the big marching tuba. So I played tuba then for three years. Of course, you're like, what is the biggest <laughs> Yeah. <Exactly>. Yep. <laughs> the lesbian toughness. We're like, no, I don't want a flute. Fuck that fucking flute. <laughs> Yep. So I can't play. I've like tried to play guitar for so many years, but nothing clicks. But I can play the tuba. Look, I can't play the tuba, so I think that's pretty cool. So many people can play the guitar. You never hear about tuba, folks. I mean, here I am. Representation matters. I don't know if y'all have a name. Tubaites. I know. Tuba files. I wish. I never got a name. <laughs> Did you continue? So you played in high school. Did you take that to college or no? You left I quit it? real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you uh, go to school? Three different places, actually. I started off. I played tennis mostly. I like tennis a lot more than I like playing uh, in the marching band. So I played tennis for a year at Holland's University. I played at an all women's college. Did not know I was. Did not come out until I got there. <laughs> and then after that, I went to West Virginia University for a year, and then took a year off. Did the Disney College program, and then finished my school at the University of Central Florida. UCF. UCF. Why Florida? What, what got you there? Know. <laughs> I don't know. I think the college because it, it was like a dream of mine as a kid to work at Disney World. And I was in a a relationship that was kind of ending in West Virginia, and I was like, I need a break. 
So I did. I applied for the college program, did the college program, and then I'd made a lot of friends and had gotten kind of used to Florida and was starting to make like a new single life for myself down there. And a lot of people do the college program and actually stay and go to UCF. So I just kind of followed. Is UCF in Orlando? It it's the main campus is like thirty minutes outside, thirty forty minutes outside, but they have a special hospitality school. <laughs> Which is where I went. And that was three minutes from SeaWorld. Yeah, no, my mom lives near Fort Lauderdale. Oh, she okay. just moved there. And so I'm trying to like learn where the fuck things are in Florida because every time you say, oh, my mom moved to Florida. Where? Fort Lauderdale. They say, oh, it's, I'm from this. This Florida's is new for me. This is like a year of time and I just go to see my mom. So yeah. I don't. Yeah, she's in like old Jewland where you just get like the white capris and, and just <laughs> whether it's before Labor Day or after, you can't tell them. Can't tell them otherwise. So you graduated from college, degree in hospitality. Yeah. Did you stay at Disney World? Failed real quick. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a long list of places that I've just left. I've worked at my job res my job yeah resume is insanely long, full of very odd things. And after I left Disney, I worked at a hotel in Pittsburgh that Ariana Grande used to come to all the time. And I worked at Target, and then I was like. I'm done with Pittsburgh, and then just decided to move to the West Coast, and that's how I got here. Why Pittsburgh? You know people there? My family, okay. yeah. My family moved from Baltimore to Pittsburgh after I graduated. It's like more, there's more family like in the little pocket of Pennsylvania that's close to West Virginia. I have a lot of family in that part of the state. Yeah, we just had, um, Isaac Crow was on uh, one of our episodes, and he's from West Virginia, and he... I went to school nearby, but then ended up in Pittsburgh. And, mm-hmm. I, and I told him, and I was like, I keep forgetting West Virginia and, <laughs> and that part of Pennsylvania are, like, right there. Yeah. Because I was talking about this, um, I think, with my brother the other day, that, like, in Ca- when you're in California, like, nothing's close. California is so big that to drive anywhere is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And But in other states, like, you're next to, like, three other states. And you could just, oh, yeah, I live in New Jersey and I work in New York, right? Yeah. Live in New Jersey and work in Connecticut. And that's, like, nobody's thinking about it. No, it's crazy. That's what I miss about, the, like, growing up on the East Coast. New York was four hours away. Philly was an hour and a half away. There's so many places that were so different, so close. And then I could drive two hours here and only make it to Santa Monica. And that's just a joke. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I don't miss about <laughs> living in L.A. When you write Carly Allen's your main character, mm-hmm. she's gay out. Is she you? I like to say that we have the same voice, but different life experiences. We have, and like a lot of their opinions, like I'm a big One Direction fan, love One Direction, and I'm a Taylor Swift fan, and I love Bruce Springsteen and like all that 70s and 80s rock, but then so many of her actual like life moments are not mine. There's a couple. I have also asked someone out at a Starbucks using that same method. <laughs> oh, yeah, writing, writing the name on and the number, or just the name on the cup. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Well, a girl did that to me, actually, in oh, Florida. Oh, you stole her move? No, I wrote back to her. It was, it was ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> That's fucking lesbian. It's like, what, one person writes on the cup, like, here's my name and number, and then the other yep. one's like, so, where are you from? And then it's like a whole back and forth, and then you're going to take that to Facebook messaging, and then you're going to be like, are you going to be at this party? And we'll yep. both be at the party, but we're not going to really talk to each other because no one wants to. Yep. Yep. That's, yeah, my college experience. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you came out in college, or? Were you like, hey, I'm gay, but I'm not ready to do this? Or, like, what was your... I I try to think about it because, like, I've been asked a couple times now. My sister's gay. She came out before me. We're very, very different uh, people. 
and like I don't really see any of myself in her so I was like I don't relate to her life (laughs) but then I feel like I kind of knew that I was gay and I just didn't really feel like talking about it because I have this very distinct memory did you watch Glee I've seen a little bit of it. I don't I don't love Glee, but I like Ryan Murphy a lot, so I tried to catch it a little bit when it first came out, but okay. I'm so familiar with who the characters are. It's a bit of a mess, and at one point in time, they, like, sing that Lady Gaga Born This Way song, and they all get a shirt on that, like, says their insecurity, or whatever it is. The, the gay kid Kurt wears one that says likes boys, and, like, somebody else wears one that says likes girls, and I... I have a vivid memory of going to the Glee concert that year, which is a horrible sentence that I gave. <laughs> I didn't know they had concerts. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I remember looking, because they sold all those shirts from the show that everybody wore, and I remember looking at the one that wears likes girls, and I remember being like, oh, I should buy that one. And like, I was not out. I like, hadn't even told anybody, but for some reason I was like, Maybe, but I didn't. I bought a different one. So, like, that thought crossed my mind. But then I didn't actually say anything until I started dating this girl my freshman year of college. So, like, the two are kind of forever intertwined, I guess, because I came out in an email. So oh, Okay. <laughs> so, like, everybody, parents, sister, Just parents. friends. Okay. <laughs> you did a massive... I should have. I really should have. And I wish... My parents don't have the email anymore, I don't think. I wish they kept Aww. it. Yeah. That'd be a nice memento. Exactly. But after the second kid came out, they are probably like, oh, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> How they, did they call you? Did they write back? Like, yeah, because they had met the girl that I was dating, like, the day before. And so my mother called me and was like, are you joking? You couldn't have said this a day ago. <laughs> I was like, oh. Like, you're ready when you're ready. Exactly. Yeah, no, she was joking 100%. Yeah. She was just teasing. But, yeah, I came out an email, and I don't, I guess I already figured it out for myself, but I never really, I'm kind of quiet when it comes to my feelings, so I don't really feel the need to talk about it, or at least I didn't then. I was very quiet back then. So it's a weird coming out story. No, I don't think it's weird. I definitely, like, relate to that. Where I remember thinking one day and being like, oh, I really hope I'm not gay. <laughs> and then I just, like, turned that thought off and went back to whatever I was doing and, yeah. like, focusing on sports or school or what, you know, I just was like, move on with it. Like, I just didn't, sexuality and sex and that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I thought, I, I thought a lot of things were interesting about the book, but another piece that I related to is Carly's a sap. She is sappy and she wants the romance and she wants the, I don't know if you remember in the movie Never Been Kissed, mm-hmm. like they're talking about, or no, it was um, Princess Diaries. The foot pop? The foot pop. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. I like, Never I'm Been Kissed was like the kiss with like the camera going, or you know, the camera yes. going in circles and like, but the, the foot pop. Yes. Like I remember watching that and being like, this is what I want. And wanting this romance, but not understanding what that means because mm-hmm. I didn't want it with uh, the the boys that were like in existence in my world, so it was like this weird thing. So I would just be sappy all the time and have like nowhere to to put it. So you know, I, I thought that was interesting because Carly's so she's so sappy, even though she tries to be hard and not talk about her feelings. And I related to all of that because that's part of realizing you're gay and maybe not being ready to do anything about it, or even if she's out. But even when you come out, like maybe coming out later than everyone else who just didn't have to come out, they're just. Mm-hmm living their lives, you know, and you had to go through this extra step, and that adds layers to things. I 100% agree, because I think I had those exact same feelings, because I vividly remember the foot pop scene from, like, when I was younger, and I remember being like, that would be great. Don't know who I would do that with, but that would be great. (laughs) And then I remember 
feeling the um I feel like the quintessential moment in all those nineties teen rom coms had the sixpence none the richer uh kiss me. kiss me song. Exactly. And and when I was growing up I was like, This is the pinnacle of romance and I want this. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, that's the wedding song. Like, that's the moment. Like, I'm going to feel all the feelings. I'm going to feel like this camera's yeah. making a 360 around me. And all the birds are, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, I'm a sap. I love all of that. So that part of Carly is 100% me. What's the sappiest thing you've ever done in real life that you could share? Uh, one time. I've done so many sappy things. We can do top three. Oh, top. You don't have to just pick one. One very sappy thing I did was this girl that I liked, um, had like offhandedly mentioned that she was going to see a movie at this time. And it was like 10 minutes after I had gotten off work. And it was within, the theater was like within walking distance of my apartment. And I sped home parked the car in my apartment and just sprinted like the three blocks to that movie theater just on the off chance that she was there. That was very sappy. She was there. Okay, I was, I was like, <laughs> was she there? She was there. So you come running up covered in sweat. I mean like I like, wa- like I like tried to play it real cool and like catch my breath. <laughs> like what are you doing in a place like, like this? Oh my god, what are you doing here? That was very sappy. And then freshman year of college, I like wrote like a five or six page long short story to this girl because her best friend was in my class and like I knew that her best friend would pass it along to this girl like thinly veiled convincing her to date me and it worked (laughs) those are probably the the sappiest I would say that I have done (laughs) yeah no that's pretty good (laughs) but thinking a lot since I do stand up I've been thinking a lot about writing a joke and I don't know if there's a joke there if I'm just like sad about like all these articles that are like the rom-com is dead do you think it's dead? No, it's not dead. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be dead if people think that it is. I think to all the boys I've loved before, the new Netflix one, mm-hmm. I love that one. I watched it twice in the same weekend. <laughs> I think it's having a resurgence, and I hope that LGBT people are included in this resurgence because we need a rom-com. Yeah, we don't just have to get secret copies of But I'm a Cheerleader. Exactly. I love But I'm a Cheerleader. I love that. that I love one... that too. I like Kissing Jessica Stein, which a lot of people have a problem with. I've never seen it. Okay. Watch that one. Uh, we can talk about it later. Um, but she's like a straight girl. This is just a premise. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I always say like I'm not spoiling it because I'm so into not spoiling things <laughs> that I have to like preface it a thousand fucking times. But um, she's basically a straight girl who um, sees, uh, it was like back in the day before dating apps and there's like a new newspaper and in the newspaper someone you could place like uh, an ad for like I'm looking for this and she reads this ad and it's got this quote from you know her favorite philosopher or whatever and she decides to call it back and it's a woman mm-hmm. and but she's so drawn to this ad and then so it's about like you know that relationship essentially huh. um, I think I've had that spoiled for me and I think I know <laughs> how it ends but I'm not gonna so say you know why everybody's so upset about <laughs> I it I think so <laughs> But it's interesting, like, those were, like, and that was such a big deal to even have that representation of of queerness in yeah. the media. And that that movie got a lot of traction. I think it was at a bunch of film festivals and, and whatnot. Um, but what, what do you, like, what do you want to do for your life? Like, do you want to be an author full-time? Do you want Carly Allen to be, like, Nancy Drew with, like, a hundred fucking books? Or, like, made into a movie? Or do other characters you're looking at, other books, other forms of, you know, performance? Yeah, um, the dream is, so there would be three Carly Allen books for sure. That's set in stone. The third one's done. It's just 
slowly editing i promise i'm working on it mom and that i think would be the coolest thing to see that as a movie because i mean love simon came out this year but love simon is still just like he doesn't have a personality outside of him being afraid that people will know that he's gay and that i think was my biggest issue with love simon is like we had this moment of like we're gonna have this great rom-com but I don't know anything about Simon except that he's gay and I think he likes Oreos. <laughs> and it was a sweet movie and I cried so much. But I would love for lesbians to get their due. Are you saying like that's a movie that you didn't like but you still cried your eyes out? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like as strong. Like, I liked it, but I I just wished it was a little different. But are you recommending it to others to watch? Yeah, it's really sweet. I cried. <laughs> I don't know, because, like, The Notebook, I fucking hated that movie so much. I hated everything about it, and I know, you know, uh, Carly Allen touches on it a little bit. But I'll tell you why, but I cried my eyes out. Mm-hmm. I cried my eyes out because the old people got me. I hated that movie because Ryan Gosling, to me, did all these things. It was a one-sided situation, and then this girl didn't appreciate him at all, like, treated him like shit, like, mm-hmm. walked away from him, didn't try to... He was right there. He was, like, building her a fucking house. He was right there. And he also took her on a date to the middle of the street. And I didn't find that sappy. Like, that, there's, like, a limit to my sappiness where he's like, lay down. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I don't, I'm not. At least, like, have a car that you can lay down on the hood of the car or something I mean, cute like that. But the middle of the street? It's reckless. Yeah. I'm not spoiling the notebook <laughs> for anybody out there. No, I think Love, Simon is very sweet. And, like, there's so much of it that I loved. I just wish that it was... A rom-com in the sense of the 90s, where the issue wasn't a person's identity or something. It was ridiculous hijinks that, you know, I mean, like, to all the boys I've loved before, I want that movie. Have you seen that movie? I have not. <gasps> oh, my God. I've seen it on my Netflix. Do you know Netflix, what it's about? Like, like, the brief little, you know. Basically, this girl has had five, I think it's five, super intense crushes on these, like, five guys across, like, middle school and then high school. And, like, she writes them letters. But she puts them in a box and she never wants the letters sent. Her little sister decides, I'm going to mail the letters. Of course. And then there's, like, this cute little fake dating thing between, like, one of the boys that gets the letter and then the main girl. And it's just very sweet. And, like, the issue there, I think I get, I mean, probably just because it's straight, is that they don't have an issue with sexuality to get over. That's not the thing. The thing is that they get to be cute and they get to have a little fake dating no spoilers, but, like, we all know where fake dating goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so something like that. And that's what I wished Love, Simon could have been because it was a blockbuster and LGBT people deserve rom-com blockbusters, but we also deserve the step past coming out and that kind of struggle. Yeah, like I said, just normative, yeah. you know. My other, my other, you know, with as far as, like, rom-coms coming back, the other reason I think that if they come back, it's got to be different is, and this was another thing I was like dabbling and trying to write a stand-up joke about but it just ends up me getting on stage just ranting to an audience versus like having a setup and a punchline and a joke is like two of my favorite movies growing up and can i ask how old you are i'm well 25 on okay. monday I, like, I knew you were younger than me <laughs> um well happy early birthday um is my best friend's wedding which yes. i remember watching when i was i think 13 or 14 when it came out and bridget jones's diary which i had read the book Pictured her, not Renee Zellweger, fine, because Renee Zellweger, I thought, did such a great job as Bridget Jones, mm-hmm. earned my respect for that, for sure. But in Bridget Jones, she's 32. And to me, when I was, like, growing up, reading this book and watching this movie, like, that seemed like 
how could you be 32 and not married and a spinster for life and all worried about all this shit? And in my best friend's wedding, the premise is she and her best friend made a pact in college that if they were not married by the time they were 28, then they would marry each other. Because clearly you're like 28 and then dead. Um, and see, it just ends up me being like, this is fucked up. And I was so on board with the whole thing. And then her best friend turns out he's engaged to Cameron Diaz. So she's like, I'm going to destroy this wedding because now I want him. Like, I could have had him all these years, didn't want him, had this pack, thought, I, you know, we just wait till we were 28 and then just call it. And, like, two weeks before they're, tw- like, he's 28, he's like, ah, actually, I'm getting married. And she's like, fuck that noise. And then tries to destroy their wedding. I mean, I, I have vague memories of seeing that because I have a weird crush on Cameron Diaz. I love her. I thought this was going, like, along the lines of dudes in romantic comedies are actually really creepy. Because, like, that also is an yes. issue that I hope gets fixed in this renaissance. We can put a pin in that. Because, yes. There's a lot of, like, standing outside the house waiting for an unreasonable amount of time. Yeah. And, like, a lot of stuff that's basically stalker things. But they're like, oh, no, it's romance now because a, an attractive man is doing it. Yeah. Because it's like he throws a rock at the window. Go away. And he's still throwing. I just come. No. <laughs> that's it. Go away, then the cops come. Like, that should be the whole fucking movie. And that's not... No, we're taught that, like, no, he should be persistent to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And then you'll either give in or realize, like, he's sweet underneath all this stalking. The light stalking. I I think that was also in the back of my mind. Because there's a moment like that toward the end of the book where, like, Carly... No spoilers. But I think you maybe know what I'm talking about after the song... Yeah. She is, like, kind of trying to put herself out there again, but she, at the same time, respects when the girl she has a crush on is like, no, I need space. I can't do this right now. Because that, those moments in romantic comedies have always bothered me. Because there's no reason that that should be romantic when someone keeps being like, no, 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 I don't want this. You're like, I need some time. And they're like, I'll I'll be there tomorrow. Exactly. And you're like, no, 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 it's not you you to decide how much time there is or isn't. Yeah, definitely. So every chapter you started it and you had like a song title and an mm-hmm. artist. What was the decision? Like, why did you decide to divide the book up that way? I love music and especially 80s rock. And then I love my boy bands. But I think it's such a big part of when you're a teenager, I think, especially with like mixtapes and like mix CDs and like how big that was when I was growing up. And I hope still now. But so much of moments of your life, I feel like you can point to a song and be like, this is the moment that I think of, or this is the song that I think of in regard to that moment. And I wanted to do lyrics at first, but that is copyright, mm-hmm. so I could not do that. <laughs> I think uh, I looked into that. Exactly. Before spending a lot of time looking up a lot of lyrics. Yep. I, I like that part a lot. You know, I was really interested in that. Like I said, I love One Direction. I can't, my karaoke go-to is That's What Makes You Beautiful, mm. um, which I, the first time I sang it at karaoke, I was like, nobody's going to really know this and like nobody's going to care, but I just love it so much. Yeah. And we can also talk about in that video and in a lot of the One Direction videos, there are five dudes and there is only one girl <laughs> that somehow they're all hanging out on the beach with. Like, I don't even know, because they don't get creepy about it. They're no. all just like singing to her, but it's just, I'm like, why... <laughs> Like, Backstreet always had five girls for the five guys or, you know, some sort of mashup with yeah. just a bunch of their fans around or whatever it was. So I'm like, that's such an interesting choice. But I, I just love those guys so much. And I know they're not even together anymore and they don't probably ever want to hear their songs again. But 
I just enjoy them. Yeah, I have also sang What Makes You Beautiful at karaoke. Yeah, everyone knows it. Yeah. And uh, every time I sing it, there's always a couple girls that scream, woo, and they run to the front of the stage. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a terrible singer, but I just, I love karaoke so much because oh, you can, same. you can be free and you can sing whatever you want. And it's just, it's great that like, I'm like, okay, this, this music that like, these are people I probably have nothing in common with, but they know this song and they know it enough to like come to the front of the stage and join me. Yeah. I think that's also what's great about music and what's great about what I think helps the book too, is that so often LGBT people are asked to find themselves in media of straight people and like people that, you know, don't exactly identify the same way that we do but then when the tables are flipped and we're like here's a story about an lgbt person relate to it straight people are like how i don't know (laughs) i don't understand but i think hopefully the music and just kind of carly's attitude and personality helps create this bridge because i think music helps bridge everybody all around the world. One of the other things I really enjoyed is there's uh, such a sense of humor in the writing. There's always like all these jokes and all these even just like kind of tangents about like, oh, you know, I hate when this happens or that happens or whatever it is. Have you ever thought about doing any sort of comedy like stand up or improv or theater, any sort of other type of performance? I have not. The thought of doing theater terrifies me. I, I think if I had to I was forced to do some sort of acting or something like that. I think I would have to do stand-up because that seems less... Because I would get to be myself, but the thought of acting and theater, no. I couldn't do it. And stand-up, too, you can prepare and it's in your own voice and... Yeah. Some of it felt like a, like a, just a rant that I'm like, you can get on the stage, just give her a microphone, just like get on the fucking stage with this microphone and just do it. Uh, maybe maybe Carly comes back many many years later and does a stand up. Could you stand up as Carly? No one will know. Oh, Great way to promote the book. <laughs> hey, you never know. Why did you why did you call it Burn After Reading? Because I was very self conscious about it, and my mother, who was a copy editor, and I'm blessed with her as a mother, and my father, who design the book covers but I was very self-conscious about it so I put it up on like a google doc and named it burn after reading jokingly because I just wanted her to burn it and like never speak to me about it again (laughs) um and then when it came time to like name it and we had finished editing we were both like "Uh, what should we call it and then I was like maybe burn after reading and she was like Okay. And then she made me throw in a throwaway line somewhere in the book that said burn after reading. <laughs> Just to make sure it's So your parents are in Pittsburgh now? Yes. Do you have family in LA? No. No. I have some friends who I crashed with at first down in Orange County in Tustin area. And then I moved up here because I thought I wanted to write for movies and TV and stuff. And then I realized that I did not want to do that. But no, no family. Why don't um, you want to do that? Something about the, the screenplay format, I just, I'm not a fan of. I don't know why. I've tried a couple times, and I've tried to turn my book into a screenplay, and, and something just doesn't click in my brain. I don't know. I feel like, feel like I can't do as many tangents. <laughs> no, I think it's because you have to, like, pare it down. Like, there's not, in screenplay format, is there's no, there's no flowery language, there's no yeah. descriptions. of It's just Rio de Janeiro. And then the next line is, like, uh, Carly... Hey, what's going on, Annie? Not much, you know, like, so you cut out all the bullshit. And not, bullshit no, you're right. You cut out all the flowery <laughs> stuff, and, and you'd have to write differently, and that's not, that's not your style. Yeah, no, the flowery bullshit <laughs> is my favorite thing. <laughs> I love it. I just like to call everything bullshit. So. <laughs> no, it's good. Do you like living in L.A.? Because like, it's 
it's gotta be a different world. It's like a love-hate relationship. I hate the weather. I feel like I really? may be one of the few, yeah. Um, but I'm very vocal about it. <laughs> that's what everyone always. But the weather's so nice. That's the saving grace of LA. It's a sham. I don't love the weather. The the day. What do they call it? June gloom. I have no idea. Some day, I feel like in June it gets like gloomy. That's my favorite time. I don't like the heat, and I don't really like driving. But I like that there's always something to do. <laughs> yeah. People say L.A. has no culture. I've heard people say that. Like, L.A. Mm-hmm. doesn't have culture. They just steal everyone else's culture. But I think the culture here is just movies and music and, and that type of art. And yeah. And I think it does have its own culture. And when you leave that, like, I live in New Orleans, and we kind of had a movie industry for a minute, and then they capped our tax credits, and so everyone went to Atlanta and back to L.A. and other places, so... They fucking, Louisiana's stupid for doing that because it's like, here's people that will bring you money and jobs. And we were like, no thanks. <laughs> like, just because of bipartisan politic bullshit. Yeah. But when you don't have, like, when you have that, here, I remember going to, like, screenings growing up and just, like, seeing things before they came out. And even the billboards here, there's, like, billboards for things I've never even heard of. And I, I talk to people here and they're like, yeah, I've seen, like, 50 billboards. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. This is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's because I love movies, too. Like, I just have a passion for movies, watching them and, like, talking about them critically, but I don't want to write them. So being in L.A., too, I mean, I get to see so much, and it's so great. And then, like, this has very limited to do with anything, but have you seen Josie and the Pussycats? Have I seen? Oh, my God. So last year, they had a one-night-only reunion with all three of them, and they had uh, Kay Hanley come. With the original band and play all of the songs on the soundtrack. That's awesome. It was the best thing that I've ever been to oh, in my yeah. entire life. They all agreed to do that. <laughs> yeah, they all showed up and like Rachel Lee Cook cried and like oh. Tara Reed was there in like a weird leather <laughs> jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she's still alive. Good for yeah, her. Good for her. <laughs> that Sharknado money. <laughs> oh yeah, she's in all the Sharknado. Yeah. There's like Sharknado 6 coming out or 5. I think so. They're up there. I'm like, they, yeah. My mom does not like movies in the slightest. Like, you have to pull her to the movie theater, and she'll be mad the whole time. However, she throws parties for the Sharknado movies, so I don't <laughs> understand who my mother is. How did she discover them, then? All of those terrible sci-fi disaster movies where it looks like their budget was a dollar, that's her genre of right. movies. Yep. They never had a shark and a tornado together before. Exactly. It's so original. It's amazing. Yep. She loves them. <laughs> What's your, like, guilty pleasure? Like, TV, movie, whatever. I'll, I'll tell you, mine's Pretty Little Liars. Mm. Fucking love the shit out of that. Probably one of the reasons is because they had, the you know, the lesbian character yeah. who was just normal. Like, when she came out, everyone was like, yeah, okay, so you're bringing Paige to prom. Who fucking cares? And I was like, this is great. This is so... And, it, and the show got ridiculous, and it got extended mm-hmm. far beyond the time that it should have been on television. It should have been four seasons, and then it was so popular that they were like, we're just going to keep going with this. And I watched every single one of them. And I've watched <laughs> the first few seasons multiple times on my own. And then also when my girlfriend and I got together, I was like, so <laughs> it was just pretty little lives were still on. So I'm like, you have to get caught up on this show because season six is about to start and we need to do this together. Oh, this man. is going to be our thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But you gotta put it all out there, you know? Exactly, exactly. I'm trying to think of what... I have so... I mean, I feel guilty about none of them. Yeah, I'll tell you my other ones. The Fosters is my new one. I, I watched that one for a little bit because I had a crush on Lena. Oh, the mom? Lena. Yes. The principal? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, please don't say one of the children's. Oh, no, no, no. Or Rosie O'Donnell. No, no, no. I recently got into Dynasty. But like, no, the yeah. new Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't know if you went back in time. Or... No, I we kind of, I've seen like some of that because I watched all of the old 90210 and I've seen all the new 90210 and I watched like the OC and I watched all of One Tree Hill. I watched like most of Gossip Girl, but not all of it. And then... Are these guilty pleasures, though, or just normal like, things you guilt. talk about? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh. Okay. Like, none of them I really, like, I'm ashamed about. I feel like I should be ashamed about the new Dynasty, but not really. I'm not really ashamed either. Exactly. I'm just like, it's one of those things where, like, I won't talk about it, but then if you open that door, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, with the Fosters, it's like explaining it to people. They're like, well, what's it about? And I'm like, well, it's this lesbian couple, and they adopt, a, or they, like, foster and then adopt a bunch of kids, and yes, their last name is Foster, <laughs> and everyone's like, subtlety. <laughs> So I'm like, well, it was on ABC Family, which is now Freeform, so I don't know what you expect. And then I'm like, but J-Lo produces it, so it's okay somehow. Somehow that, like, gives it legitimacy. And I'm like, that's probably not. I mean, I feel like it was good for a while, and then I stopped, I fell off the bandwagon because I got Hulu. Well, I have my best friend's Hulu password, and they have all of House Hunters. So, oh, you're about house hunters. Don't you get tired of that? No, (laughs) it's like all these dudes being like, "Ugh, I need my man cave." Exactly, and they're like, "This could be your man cave," and then he's like, "All right, we'll take it." One time, I heard a man. He wanted a man cave, (laughs) and the realtor was, "Oh, what about this attic for your man cave?" And the man said, "This space is too feminine. I can't." (laughs) And I'm like, "She wants a divorce." God, that's the thing about house hunters is. I don't really watch it for the houses. I don't really care. I watch it for the couple dynamics of all of these people because my deepest dream, which will never happen, is I want an episode of House Hunters that tells the story of each couple and how they got together. Because there are some people who end up on that show that you're like, these are actors. They met yesterday. There is no way that they have a life together. <laughs> like, this can't be real. Exactly. My One of my friends was on International House Hunters, but it was just him. So I definitely the show's real. His name's Brad. I don't know if you saw one with a guy named Brad who lives in China. Uh, I, I haven't seen probably. it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it because he's like, he announced he's on the show. And I'm like, how do we find your episode? There are so many and I'm not going to do all that. But I, I do, I do like, cause, uh, my girlfriend will watch that show sometimes, so that means by default I watch that yep. show. She's in, she likes that, she's got a good eye for design and, and mm. all that shit. I can't tell the difference between anything. But I like when they're, they're like, name three, like each cup, person in the couple gets three things that they want in a house. And I love when all the things are opposite. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I want a modern house. And they're like, I want a colonial house. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, you can't have a modern colonial house. You can't do it. See, that's why I feel like they've never met before, because (laughs) they're always like, I... Yeah, like exactly like that. And their budgets make no sense. They're all like, I'm unemployed, but my budget's $5 million. <laughs> I know. And then and it always goes over budget. And they're just like, oh, well. And I'm like, it's not a well. Like, you've got to get in a car and drives for Uber right now. Like, you don't have any money. Yeah, they always pick the house that has one of the things that one of them wanted. And then it's $4,000 over budget. <laughs> yeah. And then they break into something. They're like, all the pipes are corroded. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't get the inspection before you moved in. That's why I love House Hunters, because it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I just, those shows, like, I can't handle them. I think I just get angry, and I feel like a fussy old man yelling at the TV. I'm just, like, screaming at them like they can hear me. What is wrong with you? Get up my house for half the budget, 
Use that money to save for the retirement. Go on a nice vacation. Put furniture in the house. You don't You don't have to just blow it all in your house poor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they will never learn. No. That's not a guilty <laughs> pleasure either, huh? That's the thing. I don't feel guilty about any of them. You don't have anything, like any DVD you kept, like, under your bed because you didn't want anyone to know that you not only did you like it, but you loved it so much you had to own it so that you could watch it at any point in time. No, I'm proud of all of them. Like, Josie and the Pussycats, everyone's like, what Well, what hands is down, this? that's a good movie. That's a, like, but nobody believes you. when. And I have the Walmart Family Friendly Edited Edition. I don't have the real movie. I don't think it... Does there need to be a family friendly one? There's a couple of times where they swear, one of the characters swears. I think there's like a the bit at the end where Rosario Dawson clotheslines somebody and like she says pussy. Can I say pussy? Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> oh, you're right. And they edited that part out of the family it's friendly called, one. Do they like bleep out like on the front cover? Like does the you have no, a star over it? No, because like it's Pussycats as one word, but if she just says pussy on its own, they're like, the, oh. The children. <laughs> at that thing that I went to last year, was the first time that I had actually seen the movie as it was intended to be seen. Oh my god. <laughs> but so you're like, I know what's next. Exactly. It's like, you don't Wait, know what? what's next. <laughs> yeah, I'm not ashamed of any. Yeah, I have no guilt. I have no guilt, I don't think. But people try to give me guilt for Josie and the Pussycats and I won't accept it. Oh no. I'm, I'm on your team on that. Guilt. <laughs> You think you're going to be in L.A. forever? Not forever. Like, a couple years. It's fun now, but I think I think I definitely want to move back east. That's where the majority of my family is, and I miss the weather. I could not grow old in this weather. Oh, God, no. I lived in New York for a few years, and I hated it. I hated the snow. Like, the snow looks beautiful out a window, and I loved watching it fall, but I didn't like when it was gross and I slipped in it. I miss it. What part of New York? Uh, I, I lived in Manhattan for like a year, and then I went to school in Queens, so oh, okay. I was out in Astoria, and then Jamaica, Queens, and then one year I was like, I have to live in Manhattan, like I have to do it, so I lived right near Times Square. Converted living room, no windows to the outside, $850 a month, including everything, and I was told that's a hell of a deal. I was going to say, that's insane for Manhattan for that close to Times Square. Astoria, though, that's my people. Those are the Greeks. Yeah, Astoria was it was good. Uh, okay. Good Greek food. Good feta, probably. Yeah, there was a lot of good Greek food. Um, it was a, it was a neighborhood, you know. Yeah. I felt really good living there. That was my third year, but I had a, I was like, I have to do. You have to like live in the city once. I wouldn't do it again. Sure, I, I slept a lot because I didn't have a window to the outside, so I didn't know when daytime or nighttime was. That's so trippy. That's so trippy. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, this was I so know, fun. The time flies, and everybody go out, read Burn After Reading. Where can we find you and every all the books? Yes, the books are on Amazon.com, Burn After Reading, and I Didn't Start the Fire. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Captain Ameripug. That's cute. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, I wish. I wish. <laughs> Just preparing for exactly. the day. Exactly. The inevitable day. I, so many pugs follow me because I think they think that, like, eventually I'll start posting <laughs> my pug, but I won't. Yeah, she's sure keeping this under wraps. Exactly. <laughs> and then tinacacadellas.com has any events that I'm doing nearby and has links to the books, too. All right, well, we're going to put it on all our social media, but you want to just spell that real quick for yeah, everybody? Uh, Tina is T-I-N-A. Cacadellis <laughs> is K-A-K-A-D as in dog, E-L-I-S. 
It's how I do it over the phone every time somebody makes me spell my last name. <laughs> yeah, I do. Because my mom used to do it. was G-O-L-O, B as in boy. Yep. And I used to think when she did it, I was like, that's, it used to annoy me. And I was like, why does this annoy me? But then when I would just spell it without saying that, people were like, oh, okay, G-O-L-O-D. And I'm like, no, B as in boy. God damn it. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Does your mom do that too? Yeah, my yeah. both of my parents. And I, I mean, I never thought about it, but I probably heard both of them spell it that way over the phone. And now you're going to think, am I turning into my parents? So you're welcome for that thought. Yeah. All right, well, thanks so much for, for being here and uh, let's hang out. Yeah, thank right, you. Cool. And now Tina will read us a selection from her book, Burn After Reading. It's going to be an awful party, and Annie promises me she'll buy me dinner at the diner after it's over, but I'm not budging. Annie's been talking to a boy on her debate team for the better part of a year, and they finally decided to hang out in public. Gasp! Outside of school! However, when it comes to dating and boys, Annie's an endearing but decisively bumbling mess, so I'm being bribed to go along. I'd already been invited by Cameron, who was throwing the party, but I said no because I was six seasons deep into Gilmore Girls. The plan was to finish by this Sunday. Tragically, for me at least, Annie has decided that this is the perfect weekend for a date. I just don't understand why it's so important for me to chaperone this date of yours, I grumble as Annie tosses outfits around me on the bed. You aren't chaperoning, Carly. Don't be so dramatic, she says as she holds up a blue striped dress and looks at herself in the mirror. You'll just be observing from a distance, you know, so we can go over every second in excruciating detail after. I slam my head on my computer. Oh my god. It won't be that bad, Annie consoles me as she sits on the edge of the bed. Besides, I trust you and I need you. This is the closest thing I've had to a date in a very long time. Me too. Can it, Carly? I'm being serious. I sit up and study Annie. She's standing there twirling her hair between her fingers and tugging on her dress. Hey, it'll be just fine. This guy obviously likes you, so you have nothing to worry about. She rolls her eyes. But like, what if this is all some dumb she's all that thing? What if they're just planning to dump a bucket of blood on me? I laugh. I think you've got your movies mixed up. And besides, don't Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Pinch Jr. end up together in the end? Yeah, I guess you're right, she says. And the blood girl goes apeshit on the entire school, so I guess it doesn't matter. Beautiful. It's settled then. I will continue to watch Alexis Bledel get more attractive as the seasons pass, and you'll have a wonderful time tonight with Todd the Debate Boy, I say, turning back over onto my stomach. Oh no, you're not getting off that easily, Annie says, snapping my laptop closed and grabbing it from me. Hey! Look. Carly, I get that you're still kind of moping about Emma, but she's a bitch and it's over, so put on something cute and we'll find you a nice new girl. That's quite alright, I say, reaching for my laptop. Dying alone is gaining a certain appeal. Annie smacks my arm away. Get your ass out of bed, superstar. For most of my life, I thought of myself as a happy person. I was good at just rolling with the punches. Things, as a whole, were unequivocally fine. Unfortunately, all of that changed when Emma came along. Pretty girls have a way of changing everything. She was a barista. How absolutely adorable, right? I always wanted to date a barista because I thought free coffee would be the ultimate perk. Get it? Perk? Coffee? I'm sorry. I hoped humor would dull my pain. Coffee was probably the best, most functional aspect of our relationship. I still have bags stockpiled from our time together. 
Emma got a free pound of coffee every week, but she didn't drink coffee, so they were all mine. A barista who didn't drink coffee. Yeah, that should have been my first red flag, but I was hopelessly blinded by her smile and completely intoxicated by the smell of freshly ground coffee. It wasn't like we were glaringly dysfunctional from the get-go. That would have been too easy. No, it was a steady build. Red flag after red flag until I was helpless. My white flag invisible and indistinguishable from the sea I was drowning in. I noticed her each time I went to the Starbucks across town. Because I'm a terrible human and I waste money I should be saving for college on frivolous things, I go to Starbucks regularly. But Emma didn't work at my usual one. She worked at the one closer to Annie's house. My visits began to increase once I noticed just how cute she looked in her little black polo shirt and baseball cap. She made the first move, though, when she put a heart next to my name on the cup. I checked each of my friend's cups, but they were without that cute little heart. It took a week for me to find the courage to even consider asking her out. Always give your number, Annie had said. It's kind of a courtesy. Like, now she can be flattered but not interested and ignore you forever. Or she can text you back the second she goes on break. It's really win-win. Annie likes calling situations win-win. It gives her a false sense of confidence and an aura of expertise on the subject, when, in reality, she's a frightened little meerkat if there's an opportunity for her to take her own advice. See, my current predicament. No thanks to Annie's attempts at pep talks, I did ask this pretty coffee girl out. I walked into her Starbucks one afternoon and ordered the cheapest thing I could find from the boy at the register. He wrote my name, minus the heart, on the cup and passed it down the line to her. I had no intention of drinking whatever it was I just ordered. My stomach felt like it was training for the Olympic gymnastics team. Sprinting, flipping, jumping. Turns out, I ordered a single shot of espresso. Emma kept that cup for as long as we dated. I expect it's in a landfill now. No, she probably recycled it. That was at least one good thing she had going for her. Emma quickly made my one shot of espresso, and it occurred to me that in order for my plan to actually work, I should have ordered something slightly more complex. She called my name, and I responded with a sheepish grin and a raised arm. She smiled at me, and I swore the rest of the world melted away just for that instant. Mixing it up today, I see, she said, pushing my drink across the bar. I smiled. Variety is the spice of life, you know. Shit, that was so stupid. Have a good day, Carly, Emma said as the register boy passed her another cup. I nodded, and as soon as she started working on the next drink, I pulled out the Sharpie I bought just for this moment. Quickly scrawling my phone number under my name, I wrote, We should get coffee someplace, you don't have to make it. At the time, I was quite proud of that line. Only a little later did I find out she's an utter fool with no taste for coffee. What kind of barista doesn't drink coffee? I'm sorry, I keep bringing that up, but like, come on. It's weird. What is she gaining from this experience? I know what you're thinking. Slow down, Carly. Maybe she likes tea. Yeah, no, she doesn't. So I think my outrage is justified. Steve, your iced coffee? Emma called out, not even waiting for him to pick it up before she went about busying herself cleaning. Now or never. Hey, um, there was something wrong with my drink. She looked up, confused. It's just a shot of espresso. What could possibly be wrong with it? I knew I should have ordered something slightly more complicated. Well, uh, I ordered a double, but this is just a single, I said, putting the cup down and sliding it back to her. Let me look at it, she said. I think this is my favorite memory of our relationship, watching Emma read the note and seeing the tentative grin sneak across her face. She looked so sweet then, before everything bad happened. Sometimes I wish relationships ended there, in that sweet moment, 
still all wrapped up like a Christmas present, filled with wonder and so delicately bound. No fights or anything to mess it up. Just feeling wanted in the simplest way. In that moment, her fingers tracing over my words, smiling like she was reading Shakespeare, I did want her. She looked up. It's a damn shame I don't like coffee. Thank you to Tina Cacadellis for sharing her world with you. Special thank you to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help producing and editing this podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, we're near and queer to my heart. Twitter, we're queer to my heart. Also, check out the live queer storytelling show, Greetings from Queer Mountain, in Austin, New York City, New Orleans, and now in Oakland. Thank y'all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.